Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ days away, but we're back. I'm recovering, no potting for several days. We didn't get to do our college football recap show on Sunday night this week. I didn't do any shows this weekend. I was in and out of consciousness, <laughs> uh, recovering uh being sick for the last five days here um so i'm happy to be back and talking ball and it only makes sense to have a first pod back uh after several days away which is just weird as someone who records literally every day um to not have that uh uh consistency and that continuity day in day out is very frustrating uh for me uh to not get that content out and have stuff to do but uh with all that being said fellow university in north georgia alumni matt green down there in tequila georgia he's here he's back matt good evening sir how are you good evening sir i uh i'm not gonna lie man i uh i, I missed our chat i missed mm. i missed our little talks every sunday night to talk about the college football weekend um yeah i feel like so much happened this past weekend we didn't get to uh we didn't get to uh give our piece on it you know but hey 
I'm glad you're feeling better because, uh, you know, that that's the health is more is the most important thing, right? I mean, it is. And uh, got to tell you, you, you value it more and more when you go in the trenches. I don't wish uh, the fever shakes on anybody. Like, it's just it's the worst. <laughs> like, you know, like, you're just miserable. It was uh, it was not a pleasant experience, but we are on the mend. Uh, knock on wood here. So uh, first pod back. Um, we obviously did not do our recap show for uh, week five, uh, week five or week six. See, I'm still getting my what are we in now? Week seven. What What is this? Yeah, Matt, that right? was week six. We're coming up on week seven. The season just keeps going, man. The season keeps going. Uh, but don't forget, folks, every Sunday night and Wednesday night we tape. Uh, the full ride here on the Chase Homes podcast. So if you are a college football fan, make sure you uh, stop in and on this feed and look out for that on your Thursday morning and Monday morning commutes during the college football season. Follow Matt on social at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase W underscore Thomas. Email us if you have any college football questions for us at Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at pod chase thomas you can also watch this very show if you're watching us on youtube uh first thank you and hope you enjoy and uh watching this very show uh each week and you can do so and make sure you never miss our video productions and clips and shorts and all that good stuff all my interviews and all that good stuff youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast then of course check out the website chase thomas podcast.com for more information on the show and uh all the links and good stuff that you need on the new website chase thomas podcast dot com uh matt green to refresh the good folks about what happened uh over the weekend i'm not gonna lie i because it's been so long that it's been a week removed and i was just in and out of consciousness all weekend and watched what i could um i have no idea how i did this weekend i i don't know what to expect here um many say that i should get it thrown out if i did poorly because i was coming down with the sickness unknowingly uh towards the end of last week so could i really yeah, let's just let's just throw it out oh okay we'll just throw it out not important how he did how anybody well why are we even keeping score you know we're just trying to have a good time oh i thought you were you just know? agreeing uh, okay i i didn't know what you meant by the throw it out originally now you're okay. actually being a friend i thought you were going the other way there you're you were actually being nice in this regard yeah i'll be uh, i'll it. throw you a, i'll do you a solid and not talk not tell the listeners uh, about how much better you did than me this week in uh, in week <laughs> six, man. Uh, so Texas A&M, first of all, I blame Jimbo Fisher. That was an amazing game. But you remember at the end of the game when uh, Anaya Smith uh, caught that touchdown, and then but he actually stepped out at the three, and they overturned it. It was, mm. like, I felt like everyone knew. It was like, man, they're not gonna fucking score now. Like it just, you just felt Alabama was gonna stop them. And I just, it was, uh, what it ended up taking another minute off the clock and they only ended up with, a with a field goal. If they would have just, if that would have counted, A&M would have lost by two and it would have been a loss, but they still would have covered that, that three and a half point spread, but they did not, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so Zeus's home dog of the week, uh, missed just for the second time of the season. Um, but you, sir, went seven and four overall, uh, on the weekend and seven three and one against the spread so excellent weekend on your end your boy over here uh not so hot four and seven overall four six and one against the spread so you know it was uh it was not my it was not my weekend i feel like a lot of my losses were good losses i feel like there were some close ones in there 
you know, but uh, champion you know, of life, Matt Green. That's yeah. You know, you can't. I Oklahoma State. I, I believed in the weekday, uh, the road game. You know, I believed in it as far as against the spread, but I, I didn't go full full upset on Oklahoma State. Uh, I, re- I regretted that one on Friday night, but you know, mm. it uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, Georgia finally covered for the first time this season. Um, and uh, and yeah, New- Notre Dame let both of us down. So I think you had at least Louisville against the spread. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a long weekend. Man, yeah, the Louisville result still surprised me the most of anything uh, over the weekend. Um, and then the Braves also losing the Phillies in game one. You know, obviously. Uh, now we sit here after a game three loss. Hopefully the Braves can somehow force uh, the series to go back to Atlanta. But uh, yeah, so not not my greatest weekend overall. Obviously the dogs won that that beats everything. But yeah, not my for my prognostication standpoint. It's also nice when your team's on a buy. Like obviously, I mean, it would have been better if I was not sick uh, all weekend. But um, being able to just pick and choose and watch on multiple screens and not be emotionally drained from the result of your team for three and a half hours and not be drawn in where your eyes go like it's just it's nice um obviously i missed ut football over the weekend but honestly it was it was nice to get a little break and to watch all the other stuff that i got to watch and not uh like oklahoma and texas and all the other yeah uh, that's the game of the year so far i think oklahoma and texas i mean that was incredible what's has there been a better game notre dame ohio state was really good um that was a great game for sure I felt, I honestly, I, I felt like Sarkeesian mismanaged it at the end, mm. like playing for the field goal. You don't play for the field goal in a shootout. You got to, you got to get the touchdown at the end. It felt like they got too conservative. And if you're going to play for the field, ah, excuse me, if you're going to play for the field goal, you got to, you got to kick that with 10 seconds left in the game or something. You can't just, I don't know. That was, I, I feel like the one thing, it seems like they weren't aggressive enough, but you know. I don't think anyone was really picking Oklahoma. So shout out to Oklahoma. I think that's a total game changer as far as this season goes. Like, like when you're just as far as, you know, just evaluating like Texas was starting to look like that team that was the number one. I mean, they were starting to get a lot of those first place votes instead of Georgia. And Oklahoma, we I feel like we were all asleep on Oklahoma the whole year. And I, I'm a big year two head coach guy, and I wasn't even talking about Brent Venables and Oklahoma taking that jump. And I mean Right now, I mean, they have as good a claim as any to be number one team in the country, right? At least a top five team. Yeah, I mean, it was a big win for them. And it's weird because I, I still just don't think they're better than Texas. It was such a weird ending and such a weird yeah. game where I'm like, it was great. I'm glad it, it happened. But if they play that game, game 100 times, sure. like Texas had three points and three red zone trips. And like, there's just there's some weird stuff where I'm like, I, I think both are great i think oklahoma is a lot better than i thought they were uh to this point but i still i didn't lose a lot of like oh no what does this mean for texas and i don't know if that's I, what it, i feel like think. oklahoma's like oh yeah there was an era where oklahoma played defense and like mm-hmm. they were they were flying around the field offensively but they were also flying around the field defensively it's like that was the golden era of texas the early 2000s it's like let's let's go back to that that stuff yeah, I, for, I, for, yeah. I forgot what it looked like for Oklahoma to play defense. I agree, Matt Green. Um, well, uh, sir, let's get into uh, some quick uh, notes before we get into our week seven picks here, sir. Um, also, wait, you didn't say what the now season stats. Uh, do you have the season accumulation oh, stats? I do. Everybody? Uh, so, you, so you are 48 and 18 overall. I am 44 and 22, four mm. game lead. 
Uh, and then against the spread, you were 40, 24, and two on the season. I am 36, 28, and two. So, uh, quality, uh, quality lead you got there. Four games, both against the spread and uh, overall. We love to see it, Matt Green. We love to see it. Um, let's see if I can build on that this week. Um, speaking of building on stuff, uh, some Kentucky fans would like to build on these eight and four, seven and five seasons that, uh, Mark Stoops has, uh, put together in Lexington over the last decade. And a lot has been made about, uh, what he was saying on the coaches show, uh, this week, uh, over there in Kentucky after getting drubbed by the dogs in Athens, uh, on Saturday night under the lights, Matt Green, but, when you look at the context for what Stoops said and the fan who was just, I'm sure not the only Kentucky fan kind of just, dis- just dismayed after uh, another top 25 team. There was some hype going into the games. Like, could they upset uh, Georgia and Athens, this, that, and the other, and then just kind of a demoralizing uh, defeat. Like they played better a year ago at home and took them, uh, took Georgia to the, to the, to hell basically with them in that really ugly offensive performance on both sides um, in Lexington a year ago. But this was kind of what happened two years ago uh, in Athens and just kind of um, when you hype it up and then it's like, Oh, right. They're not even close uh, when these two teams are both hyped going into the contest. And I understand why fans, like if you're a Kentucky fan, you're starting to get a little bit anxious about the progress. Have you reached the ceiling, this, that, and the other. And then Stoops is like, I thought it was just kind of funny because if you watch the video, he's not like mad. Like to me, he was just like, look, man, like I went in a lot of games at Kentucky. I'm the best Kentucky football, like obviously Bear Bryant, but he wasn't there this long. Like I'm the best Kentucky coach you'll probably have in your lifetime. Like I'm really good. I've been really good for your program for a long time. I've made you forget about basketball season for a couple months uh, in the fall. Like, it's actually pretty nice, pretty good deal. Not a lot of high school talent in the state of Kentucky. Like, it's a really tough job. No one's won here before me. Like, no one's probably going to win here after me. But if you really want to get to Georgia, guess what? It's going to just require a lot more. And you're not going to do that anyway. And it's not realistic anyway. So it's like, what What do you want? And that was just kind of that vibe to me from watching that and uh, listening to what Stoop said. Did you garner the same impression? from what Stoop said, Matt Green. Yeah, for sure. It felt just kind of matter of fact, like, you know, and, and I think he said like the paying players thing mm-hmm. with Georgia, you know, I think he all, I think he clearly was like, cause that's, you know, that's not against the rules anymore. Mm-hmm. I think he clearly like kind of heard how that sounded and was like, not trying to throw shade, shade at Georgia. Mm-hmm. He's just like, this is what the game is. And if you guys want to play that game and, and you know, I don't know the context too. Like is, our fans are on call-in shows now getting upset with Kentucky. Is this not enough? Like, if if that's the case, like, yeah, I can understand where he's coming from. He's just like, like you're, you're essentially the Oakland A's and Georgia's the Boston Red Sox. Like, you're not playing the same game. Like, yeah, you can scheme and do all the things you want, and, but at the end of the day, they're a big market club, and they're they're doing what it takes to win championships. And Kentucky's not doing that, and they've never done that. So it's, I mean, if their Kentucky fans are really upset about it, I mean, this is kind, then he's kind of just a victim of his own success, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's kind of similar on a different scale. If you look at Georgia and Mark Richt, like 
the previous 97 years of Kentucky football before Mark Stoops, they had two 10 win seasons. And the 11 years he's been at Kentucky, they've had two win 10 win seasons. They've gone to 22 bowl games in their history. Seven of those are under Mark Stoops. It's going to be 23, uh, eight in, a, in 23 years. It's going to over, over 33% of their bowl games all time or as Mark with Mark Stoops as their head coach. So yeah, maybe he did like kind of like Mark Rick start to finish top 10 and Georgia was like, Ooh, this tastes good. We want more. Like they, he brought on those expectations. Like, when you look at Mark Stoops, it's like, yeah, they, they, oh, we're actually going to bowl games and finish the season ranked. Football is actually a fun sport to, to be good at. And maybe they want to be really good, but it seems like if they want to be good, it's okay, put your money where your mouth is because it's, that's all it really takes. Cause Mark Stoops is one of the best coaches out there. You know, he's, he's as good of a coach as you need. And that's why we've talked about Kentucky being this perfect job, right? Kind of, sarcastically like how chase daniel has the perfect job or matt leinert had the perfect mm. nfl career like he's got the solid sec contract without the sec expectations of like basically every program in this conference thinks they should be winning sec like you look at arkansas arkansas doesn't really have anything that kentucky doesn't have except for some history of being good at football and so the the missing bowl games the six and six the seven and five doesn't sit well with them whereas Kentucky's going six and six seven and five like okay solid we're going to another bowl game like so it's a completely different thing and maybe honestly you think this is Mark Stoops like laying the groundwork for leaving for another job because like he's been at Kentucky for so long it's kind of like him I don't know, like Arthur Blank saying, you know, we could always go to somewhere else if you don't build the stadium. Like, he's just like, you know, <laughs> if you guys want to be a big market club and be big donors, we can take Kentucky as high as you want. Or I could go to Michigan State or something where they they are going to pay more money for for whatever the whatever it needs to be compete at the championship level. No, I I I wondered too about how long he is for uh this job in lexington i mean because it's clear he understands like where this program can go where they're at like he's a smart guy he's just uh, he was a great dc at florida state he's won at florida state like he's seen the highs of the highs he was the dc on the championship team right with jimbo am i misremembering that or he was the dc wasn't he and their title team no, with jeremy pruitt i want to say was the dc on that 2013 team he was i want to say his florida state days might be like bobby bowden Mm. uh era was he all the way back I'll, then he's been around for a while because i mean he's been he's been a head coach when that when jimbo won a national championship he was probably at kentucky already his last year at florida state was 2012 oh okay so, so the 2013 was the national championship yeah so he was the right before okay so that was pruitt who came in right after him so he was one year off um from that but so either way help build that yeah 100 percent. so i just like Michigan State, is that something that interests him? But like Northwestern, that's just that's not a better job, obviously, than Kentucky no, and that not. kind of thing. So it's like there's not really a lot open right now that I think would be all that appetizing, um, potentially to I to think Mark Michigan Stoops. State is a better job than Kentucky, though. Like, oh, for sure. But I think they are at least going to try to spend money like the big boys. Well, you've seen them in the playoff. Like they can get into the playoff. Yeah, like we've seen sure. like the best version of Michigan State can still make the playoff. Uh, the best version of Kentucky, I don't think, can ever make the playoff. And that's the other part of it, too, is like 
I would have hung up on anyone getting mad over that if I'm Stoops. I'm like, I beat in Florida three straight years. Do you understand that like Kentucky wasn't even like uh, like t- smelling the jockstrap of Florida for twenty plus years, and you're over here like complaining like that Georgia, the best program in the last three years, is drubbing you like on the road. Like it's just it. Okay, that's not where you're not going to get to Georgia's level. But can you you push Tennessee two years ago? Um, like maybe we'll see how Tennessee plays in Lexington this year. Like you get Mizzou on the road this week. I mean, you look at the rest of the East. It's not like Kentucky is in this bad place. It's just Georgia. You look at even in the West, like you look at Arkansas right now. You look at who has a better fertile, fertile situation. You have Jimbo at Texas A&M with some more in-game issues punting at fourth and one on the fourth like it could be so much worse if you're a kentucky fan i just wouldn't push stoops like the kentucky fans be pushing stoops i'd be like mm. no they definitely shouldn't but let's be honest stoops should get out now yeah because it's going to get a lot worse because like that stat that you saw that what, what did a caller pull yeah. out that stat that he's beaten two t- two SEC teams with a winning record the entire time he's been the head coach. That finished coach. with a winning record. That finished with a winning record the entire time he's been a head coach. Mm. And like a lot of that has been some down years of the SEC East. Like, let's be yeah. honest. Like, there's been some very weak years of the SEC East. And we know Kentucky's had a super weak uh, out of conference schedule every year. Like, I don't know any of other than the Louisville game every year. I, I off the top of my head, I can't remember a power five school Kentucky's played at a conference. So, I mean, they could have played when I could be wrong, but Kentucky I mean, with this new SEC, yeah. no, yeah, other than Louisville every year, mm. but Kentucky with this new SEC schedule, they're not going to be able to hide from anybody. <laughs> so I think there's a reason why, like he's, he's elevated them to mediocre, but like, that's all they are. You know, they're, it's like it's not to be disrespectful to Kentucky, but like they are like exactly average because I feel like if you're better than Kentucky, you're good. And if you're worse than Kentucky, you're bad. So hmm. they're just kind of when and it feeds into that. Like while like, well, yeah, they have two wins over teams that have actually finished uh, with with winning records on on the season. So or in the in SEC play as far as far as that goes. So hmm. but that's that's like a huge feat at Kentucky to get them to the point where they beat all the bad teams. Like they, they were one of the bad teams before, but yeah, if there's any like pressure, any, like, I don't know, like getting tired of, of not doing more, like Mark Stoops should just, should just go ahead and bounce. Cause this is probably as good as it's going to get for Kentucky. I know what the job is for him. And it actually might come up this, this off season. I know I where Michigan he... state was a good call to be honest. I think they can do better. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Michigan State can do better. Um, but he's not a bad fallback. You know the job. And it's they should make it. It's a no-brainer. It's Iowa. Mm. Is Iowa a better job than Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think so. I think just the fact that you're in the SEC, I think I think if you're leaving Kentucky, you're gonna leave for someone who can win a national championship. I don't know that Iowa can win a national championship. But it can make the playoff. Iowa can make the playoff. There's an identity there. There's certain kind of players uh, you can get over there. With the new in the new Big Ten, without the they're gonna same similar situation yeah. as Kentucky. The Big Ten West isn't gonna be just super weak and get someone. I don't know. I've seen elite Iowa over the last 20 years. I've never it's, seen elite have we Kentucky. though? I mean, we had we had Brad Banks, they were really Drew good. Tate. No, there's been some elite Iowa. Drew Tate is not elite Iowa. That's like Albert. What was his Iowa. name? Albert Young. 
number 21 what's his name back in the day i don't know this uh sean green like Ricky that was Stanzi, not elite, that was sean not elite green, in yeah. iowa like there there's the year they went undefeated yeah. um what was like 2015 2016 or something and lost in the big 10 championship but i think a lot of it was playing a super weak big 10 west and they just didn't get exposed until the big 10 championship I, iowa you can't win a national championship you can't get better players at iowa you can't win a can national title but i think it's a better job than kentucky those are two separate conversations i still would maintain they have more of a commitment but to what, football what would mark stoops leave for what he was, was he? also you remember do you know where he played college ball at is he iowa. arizona oh he no, played he at was iowa? in iowa defensive back okay did, the other, did, the other coo- did the other stoops was Mike Stoops the head coach at, at Arizona? Arizona? Is that yes. right? Okay. But I think Mark was actually a DC at Arizona at one yeah, point. Yeah, he was DC and DB coach. I'm looking at that now. So there you go. I don't know. Maybe that's where he ends up. Or he just stays and he has a really happy, normal life. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, like you said, it's the best job in America being the head football coach, Kentucky, when you're doing well. Like, who, like, the, everything's gravy. You beat Florida three years in a row. It's okay. Um, For sure. Quick, and talking a yeah. little bit just about the the Georgia Kentucky from the from last week, like I think that's why, like as a Georgia fan, it's like yeah, Kentucky. I respect what they've done on a national level, but it's or like just from a respect level, but they're not going to beat Georgia. And I was probably more down on Georgia going into uh, into this week, but I thought they would cover. But uh, you were predicting the offensive explosion, sir, and that's what we got. I think uh, this is what people have been waiting to see from Georgia. You know, putting up fifty one. Um, this offense, I think Carson Beck, Carson Beck might be the best quarterback in the SEC. I'm going to say that right now. Like, I think Georgia might have the best passing game attack in the SEC this year. I think when it's all said and done, Jaden Daniels has looked great, but this, this passing attack, when it's, when it hits its stride, like, I mean, look at, he got five deep at wide receiver, Brock Bowers, the best, uh, honestly, probably the best player in college football. What is this? What, what are you disagreeing with me right now? Five deep? Who are the five deep that you trust out wide right now? Who are the five consistent wide outs? Well, if you Brock? include Brock Bowers, obviously. Okay, we got Brock. Ra-Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett. Hold on. Are we saying Ra-Ra through five, six games? He's consistent? You're, you're dead set I mean, on him. I this is a guy that's played SEC no, football. No, 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 no. I'm like, saying this year. We're talking about this year that you are certain is can be counted on. It's like a... It is a as a good quality sec level like okay yeah absolutely Definitely not arian smith lad hasn't been available most of the year no not arian smith Mar- marcus uh rosemary jack saint and then lad would be your fifth receiver it's like yeah. this is a guy who led them in catches a year or led them in touchdowns or no, i guess brock led him across the board he led all receivers in uh mm. in catches and touchdowns and everything so i think this passing game i mean you look their lead uh carson beck's leading the uh sec and in yards per game right now i want to say george is leading in the sec in pass attempts like this this but I mean, it's still not better than lsu no one's catching lsu this year like a healthy jalen daniels neighbors and thomas and company is just it's it's not fair it's filthy they're never really out of a game like their defense is trash and they're just over here like i guess we'll score 57 at mizzou to win this one like but I, I think that's the difference too is that georgia doesn't have to is not gonna have to get into shootouts like lsu so they're right. not going to be throwing for four quarters the, the same way. So the stats might not look the same at the end of the day, but like Carson Beck is like as good a quarterback as a team needs to win a national championship. Like he, and, sure. and honestly, especially when you look at this Georgia running game, they're not doing it typical Georgia style, right? This is a pass first offense. Like the, the passing game is definitely the strength of this team. And 
like Mike Bobo, a lot of a lot of said been said about Mike Bobo, and he was uh he was dialing up some some great play calls on on Saturday. So I thought Georgia looked uh, looked good. That's what people have been waiting to see. This offense looking explosive and everything. And and Kendall Milton, you know, maybe the running game uh, gets healthy and they finally you know see what they can do. But I think you knew that Kentucky was not going to run on Georgia the way they ran on uh on Florida the week the week before. So. I think that was a uh, that was big time. It's it's hard to uh you know it's hard to say anything about the Vanderbilt game. It's it's Georgia Vanderbilt, and um, I'm sure it's going to be about 75 percent Georgia fans in that stadium. And and what what was the last the last touchdown Vanderbilt scored was 2018 on Georgia. Is that is that the stat? So yes. Georgia can probably pick their score in this one, drop another 50 spot if they want call off the dogs at, at 40 to zero if they want. I don't know. It, it, I doubt this one's going to be competitive at all. But I, I'm surprised you didn't mention the one thing that I wonder if this is going to be the permanent transition and part of it's just personnel, part of it's injuries, but I wonder if Georgia fans are ready for the post Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, run, run first, run the dang ball, Georgia offense that won titles that kind of jump-started this Kirby era. Um I, it's not there. Like, I don't think Georgia's going to be a consistent running threat this year. And like you said, they don't have to if Carson's cooking like this and the receivers and Brock and company are working the way they are. And also, uh, when you have the offensive line that you do. In fairness, none of those teams ever won titles. Yeah. The two that won titles, I think, you know, 2021 was more of a run first team. Definitely yeah. had a great defense. But 2022 was definitely a pass first team as well. Well, that's what I was wondering. Like, do you think fans are going to be okay with this are they are they aware that like this is now a new era of georgia football and that the the five-star backs and the run run first stuff is probably not happening anymore like this is going to be a pass like when you get uh ryan puglisi or um uh dylan, dylan Rayola, Rayola or whoever like even uh gunner stockton or whoever after this like it's going to be the balls in the quarterback's hands and we're passing it around to our different skill guys our tight ends and everything else like this is going to be a pass first operation going forward. I mean, I think that's just the way the game of football is going, you know, so you're just, you're seeing more and more passing, but I think at the end of the day, the running game is never going to go away in terms mm. of, of just football and, and, you know, having identity of what Georgia football is. I think if you can run on teams everyone wants to run on 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 teams you know it's like that's the easiest the 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 safest way to just you know move the ball and milk the clock it's just it's it's always going to be the preferred way i think if you can run it's just most teams aren't able to to build up the elite offensive line and the elite backs to consistently run like that and georgia is going to be one of those teams who typically has a a, a great offensive line this this offensive line hasn't been great so far they've been fine but in terms of what the expectations were i think they haven't been like the best in the country by any means so and, and you look at this running i don't think that i think this is more of an unprecedented lack of depth uh at georgia's running back position like you see dylan bell is the second best running back right now and he's a wide receiver so i think um this is not what georgia wants to be necessarily like i think it just shows like how far they've come in terms of they can win multiple ways now. Like they don't have to just be a run first team. And if that doesn't work, they can't move the ball. So I think, uh, I think this, the personnel on this team, it might just fit. And I think this is what people kind of thought coming into the year, you know, with what Carson Beck is, it's like, 
with all due respect to Stetson Bennett, he wasn't the prototype. And that's like, that's kind of what made him so good. He was, he did a lot of this improv improvising and eluding pressure, making plays with his legs and he could throw a deep ball as well. But Carson Beck has a more prototype kind of skill set, And he seems to hit those, you know, 15 to 25 yard intermediate throws just with a, with a different, it's just, it, it just looks different coming out of his mm. arm uh, than Stetson Bennett. And I think Georgia's passing game looks a lot more dangerous uh, than it did a year ago. All right. There you go, Matt Green. Um, where are we going first here in our week seven? Pick them, sir. I'll say also George Vanderbilt 50, uh, 51 to six is what I'll, is what I'll call for the score. I don't the last think so. two been shutouts. The last think, two, one of them was 52 to zero, I want to say. They may have been 49-0 last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be uh I think it'll be a fairly easy game. Vanderbilt's in some trouble too, because if you look at the rest of their schedule, Matt Green, like <laughs> they're gonna they are in jeopardy of ending the season. So you barely beat Hawaii 35-28. You crush Alabama and M good. You lose to UNLV, you lose to Wake, you lose to Kentucky, lose to Missouri, lose to Florida. Now you got Georgia at Ole Miss, Auburn, at South Carolina, and at Tennessee. That looks like 1-11 to me, Matt Green. They're going to end the season on a 10-game losing, or a 9-game losing streak. Or 2-10, and 10, oh, wow. rather. Yeah, 2-10. and 10. Yeah, I could see it. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, someone's going to lose. Ooh, goodness gracious. It's a tough job, man. Clark Lee. Yeah, last two know. years, uh 55 to 0 in 2022 and 62 to 0 in uh in 2021. So I may have I may have oversold it. It it might be uh it might be a, a, another a third straight goose egg. Hey, hey Kirby's taking this personal after they took away senior night on in 2020. Vanderbilt. No showed for that contest. I love Georgia, that everyone Georgia just ramped up the intensity. They run with this, and I'm like I just, I don't know. Like, maybe it's true, but like... I don't think that. I think Vanderbilt's just a bad team, and Georgia's a good team. I think that's probably true, but it's like one of those things you just see pop up, and you're like, I just... I, mm, not sure I buy that. It's really crossing Kirby's mind all that much three years later. Um, Matt Green, where are we going first? Week seven. All right, let's go to the, uh, the game of the week, sir. I think this is the one we've been waiting for. This is a... I think you said it. What, what, did you, what was your term a couple weeks ago? Like uh, I said, the crossroads Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what this feels like. Like we, we were trying to finally learn some things about these teams. Mm. Um, the Oregon Ducks go to Seattle to face the Washington Huskies. Washington is a, a three-point favorite in this one. And I'm not going to lie. I feel like right now Washington is the most overrated team in college football. Like they have this like diet 2019 LSU thing going on, like with uh with these receivers, kind of like Jefferson and Chase, you know, Penix putting up Joe Burrow type numbers. But like this team is like we need to remind everyone this team has not played anybody that's good at all. Like I know Arizona gave USC another tough game, but Arizona, by all accounts, is not a good football team. Like this team is this offense looks great, right? They, they throw the ball around. It's fun to watch, but I don't think we know how good this team is yet. Oregon. We still don't know how good Oregon is either. Like to be fair, like at Texas tech, like that's the only other 
uh, road game they've played. No, they've played two road games, I think, to this point. Um, is that right? Did they play at – I had to look at Oregon's schedule. But regardless, I think – They um, played one. Is that the only road game? I had them pulled up somewhere on one of these. Off the top of my screens. head, they played at Stanford and at Texas – oh, at Texas at, Tech. They were at both, Texas yeah. Tech. Okay. So that was obviously a close game, and Texas Tech has not been a great team so far. But these are the number one and two offenses in the country coming into this one. And I feel like, meaning they're both elite – units essentially i think oregon has way closer to an elite unit defensively than washington does like i know Hmm. it's on the road but i feel like i just i keep going back and forth on this one you're going back and forth are you gonna wait for me to make my pick before you settle in i was just they were just having an open dialogue i didn't know if i was making my pick yet go ahead he's down bad folks he's done the math on what he has to do to catch up here in the pick em and (laughs) we're now in week seven so matt green is uh, making the smart choice where it's like, you know, in those uh, guessing games with like, guess how many uh, gob stoppers there are in the container and you wait for the other guy to say 74 and then you're like 75. And that's what I feel <laughs> like is happening uh, right here for Matt Green. But it's it's uh, it's humbling. I, I like it uh, that uh, Matt how Green is you, pulling sir. out all the stops uh, to catch up here. But look, I don't I was going back and forth on this too, Matt Green. But I think this obviously this is the first time both teams have been in the top ten, uh, and when they've met, which is pretty amazing when you consider Washington and Oregon's just past success uh, over the years that they've actually no, never both been in the top ten uh, when they've played. Last year was one of my favorite games of the year. There was some really dumb stuff. I remember Oregon going for it in their own uh, side of the field. Dan Lanning, and, yeah, Dan Lanning did not have his best day. Uh, a year ago against this team Kirby taught him everything he knows <laughs> including the the terrible fake punt early in your career there you go I don't know if Oregon has another schedule loss on it so when I was going through it and I was like if Oregon is able to pull this out and win this one on the road I don't see anything else in the regular season that tells me that Oregon's gonna lose another game they get USC at home I think that's a win and then at Utah Maybe, but I think they actually match up better with Utah than just about anybody else in the Pac-12. Um, UCLA is another team that's just physical, and we'll get to UCLA and why I just I love this Bruins team this year. And that was a great pick by me. I don't know if you remember last week, Matt Green, but that UCLA pick. Whew, lock it in on my Bruins. Shout out to my guy, Chip Kelly. But um, I look at this, and I'm like, I think this is their only loss. That's what I could look at the schedule where I'm like, I think Oregon's still going to the Pac-12 title game. I would not be surprised if we get a Pac-12 title rematch between these two teams. But my gut tells me they lose this game, and I think it might be another dumb ending. I think they might do something stupid. Bo Nix might have a really bad late game moment in this one. This is going to be rocking. UW is a sneaky, great atmosphere. Um, I think it's going to be loud. I think it's going to be electric. I think Michael Penix Jr. is now, is he the betting Heisman favorite uh, as of today? I I think I saw that he was the leader right now this is a big That's what I'm big fan betting heisman favorite because you're blasting michigan state and boise state what what are we doing well, Why I mean, are we you're reacting got... to these these early season stats well he's leading the nation in passing yards a game at 444 yards and it's not even close um how good and how ahead they are like it's just a real machine where they can they're they're walking into 50 points in the first half if they want to um i just I think this weekend is going to be huge for a lot of we- uh, reasons. And um, I found this stat where it said 
uh, online that the this is the highest com- this game this weekend is the highest combined scoring average between Pac-12 teams of all time, which is pretty wild. So these two offenses are averaging a really crazy amount of points um, to this point in the year. Both offenses are rolling top notch. But Washington, 93rd in passing defense. That's the sneaky thing about them. There's some leakiness to this past defense. Troy Franklin has been really good uh, with Bo Nix this year. They're going to get their deep shots. I think Oregon's going to have a lot of big plays. I also think Washington's going to have a lot of big plays. Here's my favorite stat for you, Matt Green. You ready for this? Kalen DeBoer hasn't lost a home game at Washington yet. Mm. We're to a year and a half in. Still hasn't lost one, Matt Green. At Arizona State and UCLA were his only two losses last year. He almost won at Oregon two years ago with Fresno. 24-31. He did it with lesser talent almost two years ago, Matt Green. I think I'm just riding with Kalen DeBoer here. I think there's something he's not going to lose at home. I think there's a good home atmosphere there. I think this is going to be a fun back and forth. And this is, uh, to take a word out of Spencer Rattler's uh, mouth, this is their Super Bowl. Um, big recruiting battle, both going to the Big Ten next year. This is just this game means a lot for a lot of reasons, and I think Oregon can bounce back, but I think Washington needs this more at this present time. Give me the Huskies fifty-one. Give me Ooh. the Ducks forty-nine. Wow, a real a real shootout. I think Oregon covers, but in a really weird way. All right, so you're taking Washington. So Oregon at home this year, averaging 59 points a game. Mm. On the road, averaging a measly 40 points a game. Mm. We all know about Bo Nix on the road. You know, there's a lot of a lot of talk about Bo Nix's his past, uh, what he how he does on the road. But um, I just look at this Washington team. I feel like Oregon is a more built program than Washington. It feels like Oregon's a year ahead of Washington. Like the home crowd. The home crowd is always making me feel uh, like it's what me lean was wait blah, mixing up my words there. It's what it's what's making me lean Washington, but I think at the end of the day, Oregon is a better team, and I think Oregon's mm. gonna find a way to win this game. So give me the Ducks to go on the road, get it done. Wow, we yeah. disagree right out of the we're, gate here. We're starting off early. All right, where are we going next, Matt Green? Where are we going next? Our next game on here. Let's go to a uh, good old Rocky Top. Texas A&M. Oh, man. I think um, I was really buying A&M last week. Max Johnson, I think, really let me down. I think uh, I I wasn't expecting as big of a drop-off at the quarterback position from Connor Wiegman uh, to Max Johnson. I think that's what ultimately why they weren't able to beat Alabama a week ago. Ultimately, that Alabama game, so Tennessee comes in three-point favorite at home in this one. I think ultimately, Texas A&M dared Jalen Milrow to beat them, and he actually did it. And I think that's what surprised everybody, because they shut down Alabama's run game. And I think that's got to be encouraging, but it's also at home. It's like playing at home versus going on the road. A&M's played one road game so far this year, and it was at Miami. And we all know how how outrageous that that Miami atmosphere is, right? The fans may have actually shown up to that game. Um, and, and Texas A&M lost that game. That's the only road game they've played so far this year. Somehow they started the year with three straight SEC home games. But now they got to go into Knoxville. 
And I think if if they can't if they couldn't beat Jalen Milrow at home, I don't see how they necessarily beat Joe Milton on the road. Like I think uh, I think the way they just kind of dare Jalen Milrow to beat them, I think I think Joe Joe Milton will be able to do that. And I don't know that they'll be that they'll be able to stop the run on the road as well as they were able to against Alabama. So give me Tennessee to win and cover. Okay, um, this is tough. Matt Green because I don't think this is like going to be one of those good test games for people who have no idea what Tennessee is because I think a lot of people are going to tune into this game at 3.30 on uh, CBS Saturday and be very surprised (laughs) to see what Tennessee looks like because this is their first uh, CBS game this fall. They get back-to-back CBS primetime here with Alabama the following week. It's a big, big weekend. A lot of big recruits here this weekend for Tennessee. Obviously a lot of big ones next week. Uh, A lot were here for South Carolina and they made real big progress with some some key five stars and stuff with uh their drubbing of South Carolina. Here's the thing. Tennessee is arguably the best rushing attack in the SEC this year. They are a ground and pound team. That is what they have had to do week in, week out to score 30 plus to bury South Carolina. They take their deep shots in the cam. Joe Milton took through two picks in that game. One was really bad. One was just basically a punt. Um, and that one, his knee still seems pretty banged up from an awkward uh, near sack against UTSA a couple weeks ago. He gets two weeks to heal. Heupel, uh coming off a bye here is critical. Um, he's undefeated coming off a bye at Tennessee. Tennessee obviously hasn't lost a home game since 2021 <laughs> under Josh Heupel. That's a big part of uh, your thing here. Jimbo Fisher has not won on the road in the SEC at AM since uh, when he's been an underdog at any point. So that, this would be a first. Right? Yeah, so if he is able to pull this off, this would be a first for Jimbo. I would pick AM outright if Connor Wegman was under center for AM. Max Johnson has I think his I would too. And I think that's why the line's three. It's a pick em because it's Max Johnson. I think AM would actually be favored coming into this game if Connor Wegman was under center for the Aggies. That offense is legit. Like, AM has star power out wide. They are going to push this Tennessee secondary. Danico Slaughter needs to be healthy. We'll see how many snaps he plays for Tennessee at corner. Tennessee has not had to... They didn't have to really worry on the back end as much. Kamala hadn't obviously had the pick six that people remember. James Pierce got home a bunch. They are going to have to win big time against this Texas A&M offensive line. And they're going to have to continue to get home. They've done well on the sack front this to this point. James Pierce has had a breakout season. Tyler Barron's been great. They're going to have to get home and make Max Johnson's life miserable because there is so much talent in this receiver room at Texas A&M. I've seen this story before with this Tennessee secondary. If they're not getting home, it's going to be a rough afternoon for Tennessee's defense, um, even being at home. On the flip side, A&M's got a very, very good rush defense. Very, very good front seven. And they are going to get home. Like Tennessee, the tempo helps sacks. It will always make life easier for their quarterbacks in the offensive line. Um, to not be able to sub, defensive linemen get tired. The sacks just won't be as prevalent um, when the offense is cooking. That being said, if Tennessee is stuffed early and if Tennessee is not able to move the line of scrimmage and we're looking at second and 10, third and 11 more often than not, this gets ugly and it looks like a low scoring game. Tennessee can't have this be low scoring. This is that's exactly what AM wants this to be. AM wants this to be 27-23. Tennessee loses that game every single time. 
where this game has to be is kind of what it was against South Carolina. Like Tennessee has to do it in a different way though. And this is, I think the biggest game for Joe Milton in his three-year career at Tennessee, because the difference with this particular game than any other game to even the Florida game is this one for Joe, he has to be the best player on the field for them to win this game. And what I mean by that is Joe has to play the best game of his career on Saturday because I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to use the run first approach that they have thrived off of to get to this point in the year where they've only got one loss and expect to beat Texas A&M. Joe is going to have to make plays downfield. This offense cannot be as vertically challenged as they've been all season long and not to complete any of these big shots. Joe had one and Squirrel White was not even <laughs> didn't even see the ball against South Carolina. It was one. You were not beating AM playing that way. You're just not this Saturday. So I think Joe has to be good deep. He has to be challenging for this AM secondary because this AM secondary is not good. Jalen Milrow had a field day against this group. That's the reason Alabama beat AM on the road. You're at home. Joe has to be as good as Jalen Miller. He has to have a breakout like game that he has not played this year. Joe Milton has not been great at all this year. He's been okay. He's been a game manager. I don't. So you don't think, see any way that this that this offense runs on Texas A&M. No, I don't think it's going to be as bad as other teams have fared, like Alabama. I just th- don't think they have the same talent. Like Jalen Wright's just he's averaging almost ten yards to carry for a reason. Like Jalen Wright's a dude. They're going to make their make their bones in between the tackles. They're going to get theirs. But like, do I think they're running for like 267 averaging like six, seven yards a carry? No, I no. don't think, I don't think they have to do that. But I think if it's, you're, I think if you're saying it's all on Joe Milton, it's like you're expecting Tennessee to get held under a hundred yards rushing, like, or maybe like 50 yards rushing that like Joe Milton's going to be, ha- had to be the reason that this offense scores 35 points or something. Like, I think there's a chance just because you're at home, like, there's something about, you know, the crowd, the offensive line gets going, like you can break a couple runs, like get some momentum. Like I could see a game where Joe Milton doesn't have to be the hero, but they're actually able to establish the run. And this game goes a little bit different than the Alabama game did, even if the score line is similar. I just think you're going to he's going to be in second and long, third and long several times in this game. And I think he can't miss like Brew McCoy's out like he's gone for the year. Caleb Webb time to grow up true sophomore. You got to play. You're filling that spot. You need Dante Thornton healthy, but I do not think let me just go ahead and say this. If we do not see multiple explosive plays down the field from Joe Milton in this game, Tennessee did not win. Uh, That is something that I do not think will happen. Tennessee will have to show. I'm not saying they have to be exactly like Hendon Hooker at home and uh, just the Jalen Hyatt show against Alabama but they have to do more than what we've seen to this point for them to win this game. The talent's too close. The front seven for AM's too big, too strong, too good that I just don't think you're going to be able to play that style. Like South Carolina is a different batter beast. AM's a lot better. And I just don't think you're going to be able to get away with that against AM. Yeah, especially you've only seen Tennessee play two SEC games yeah. so far. So it's and they like, bomb it's, their one, their one pretty good road test. That's it. Like yeah, so it's really hard to know what which coach you think is under more pressure in this game. Pressure in what context? Like, what do you mean? Like just, job security? Just which one's under more pressure? Whatever you deem pressure. Well, I don't think Jimbo's under because Jimbo gets like a free pass. Like Connor's out, so like because you lost your five star quarterback who was playing really well and your offense was cooking. And 
I don't I know. think he's getting too much money to get a free pass that's for any a, of these laws. <laughs> well, I think that's the other part of it is like he's got so much money coming in. It's like he's not getting fired this year. Like I was listening to Texag's guy this week. Like the, it, the he's not getting fired like anytime soon. It's still just we're yeah. a ways away from that happening. So um, Hypel though, you lose this. You're like I think out Al, Alabama is a loss no matter what now. Like I'm leaning towards that one just like with Joe and what we've seen from this group. I don't I don't see a path to winning it in Tuscaloosa next week. So you lose this one, then you lose that one, and then suddenly you're you're 0 and 3 against AM, Bama, and Florida, with Georgia still on the schedule, and at Kentucky and at Mizzou. Like neither of those are at home. And I'm not saying you're losing both of those, but like, do I think that they could absolutely lose at Mizzou? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I think they'll lose at Kentucky? No. I don't think he'll ever lose to a stoops. But I do <laughs> think it's just you're staring at seven and five potentially if you drop this one. But if you win this one, nine and three is just kind of a cakewalk uh, to me. I think there's a lot of momentum to get to nine and three. And that's a I huge mean, I win. I think for there the is a chance. Like, I was not impressed with Max Johnson, but there is a chance that AM is one of the better teams left on their schedule. I guess they, they still got Alabama and Georgia, but AM could be the third best team on the schedule, yeah, like easily. for the rest of the way. So they could still beat Missouri and, and you know, Kentucky and everything. But yeah, I think that definitely uh, that definitely turns the heat up on on Hypo a little bit more in terms of those other big games. But I just think at home, I don't know. I just I well, think let me be clear. I, let me give my pick, and I'll, yeah, go I'll ahead, say go this: ahead. I'm picking Tennessee thirty-seven. Uh, I'm going to say Tennessee forty-one, Texas A&M twenty-seven. 41-27? Yes. So, right, two touchdowns. Okay, see, I think it's going to be a close game. I think this is going to be like a 31-24. Like... I don't think Tennessee wins that. I think if it's <laughs> if we're near that, I don't think they're winning that game. I think for Tennessee have to win, like, I want to see, like, you better be near 40. Like, I, I don't, you better, because that shows me your offense is clicking. When it's painful, it's... I don't know. I think we know very early with hypo teams which way it's going. Um, and uh, if it's close and low scoring like that, like this team it. is definitely better than South Carolina. They're definitely oh, better sure. than than Florida. So this is, I think there's a chance that that like you said, A and M gets some stops. But I think this Tennessee, I think if their secondary is is leaving the windows open that they were against Alabama, I think Milton can hit those. Like I, th- he can't run like Jalen Milrow, but I, I, uh, I guess I don't believe in in in, in uh, Joe Milton as much as I like believe in Neyland Stadium being good enough for uh, for four or five points in this. It's one. It's gonna rain too, by the way, which I think probably helps Tennessee. Which maybe I don't even know who that benefits. You it benefits the running team because it means we can maybe get away with just running the ball and being slippery and bouncing around. I don't know. Uh, seems like the running teams benefit more from those kind of conditions. Uh, not too shabby running the ball either, though. Ah, uh, they're they're no Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Matt Green, where are we going next? All right, let's keep it moving. Florida. Speaking of the SC East, we got Florida at South Carolina, and South Carolina is actually favored in this one. Two points at Williams Bryce Stadium. Man, so I look at this game. This is a this is a tough one for me. I feel like it's it's one of those those weird situations where I feel like what teams, you know, everything's about matchups. 
And what both of these teams do poorly, I feel like the other team also does poorly. Like, I feel like Florida is a, is a bad run defense, and South Carolina's really not going to run the ball at all. Like, they did uh, – uh, the guy had 100 yards uh, in the Tennessee game, but he, well, he broke, like, 175-yard run. Not that that didn't happen, but they just haven't had a good run, off, run offense all year. And then you got South Carolina on the other side has had a terrible pass defense – and Florida wants to run first. So I'm just, I really don't know how these teams match up against each other. Like this feels like one of those games that could go to overtime or just either one could just blow out the other. Like I have no idea where to sit on this one. Yeah, I uh, I think this is going to be a gigantic one for South Carolina. I think it's a sneaky must win because then you're staring at two and four and I don't know where are you like the bowl eligibility is out the window at that point. And then what are you looking at with Shane Beamer? Like how, what is the temperature for him? Um, you just made an offensive. I think this court. is a must win for both as far as bowl eligibility goes. I think just because it's year two for Napier, like it's not a good look to go. Ba- I mean, you get the home win last week, uh, in be- sandwiched in between potentially two losses to Kentucky and South Carolina, which is not something that should really ever happen at Florida. But like, I just he Billy needs to clean up the road issues. Everyone knows about the issues on the road. You got embarrassed at Kentucky. I don't think that will happen here. Um, I think this is a better matchup for them. But here's the issue for me. This is the stat that I came down on that I think will end up meaning that uh, South Carolina gets this home dub. Florida's 105th in sacks right now. They're not mm-hmm. going to get home on Spencer Rattler. And from what we've seen from Spencer Rattler when he has time and Spencer Rattler is able to find Xavier Leggett and company, like Juice Wells will not be available, but I tend to favor Spencer Rattler in South Carolina against defenses that are not going to make life a living hell for him right now because he plays at a really elite level this year when he has time, when he's able to do um, Spencer Rattler things in the pocket. So I think... This is going to be a big Spencer uh, Rattler come revenge game too, because if you remember, he was awful in the Florida game last year, and then he has the Tennessee Clemson games back to back to get his hot streak going leading into this year. I also just don't think UF is a team that plays well from behind, and this is going to be a very strong uh, atmosphere. Williams Bryce an underrated SEC uh, home atmosphere um, over there in Columbia, so I think this is going to ultimately be a fun chaotic game a lot of dumb turnovers maybe some bad coaching on both sides but i think this is uh this is a big one and florida uh, is 30 10 and 3 in this series all time but look they also own the kentucky series for a really long time and kentucky's won three straight there i think south carolina gets a much needed win here to uh get to three and four and billy napier's road woes continue so give me south carolina 31 give me florida 29 Oh wait, that's a push right there, sir. You got to oh, give me another. Two? You, you, yeah, oh, I thought it was two, two and a half. It's two. Oh, I hate the solid ones. Uh, let's do fine. I'll do thirty-one twenty-eight because uh, I think uh, I'll just say South Carolina wins and covers then. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think this is going to be a fun one. I think ultimately the Napier one and five on the road. I feel like that's like Florida's got to prove to me that they can win on the road. So uh, give me South Carolina to win this one. I'm going to say like a. 37 33 like i think this one's gonna be like a lot of fun all right you don't know next you don't know if it's two good teams you're watching but i think it's gonna be a fun game to watch i think south carolina 
I don't know. Never mind. I'll, I'll hold that after watching Tennessee drop South Carolina. I'll, I'll hold that back. All right. Where are we going next? <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Uh, USC going on the road after playing with fire every week. They're going on the road at Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's a two and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see this one going, sir? Notre Dame, man, their schedule the last four weeks has been just brutal. Duke, Ohio State, Louisville, and now USC. And a lot of these in prime time with all the eyeballs and um, this, that, and the other. But here's the thing. They're going to avenge their recent failures. The Louisville loss was bad, but Louisville's a really good team, and they look like they just might like they might push for a new year six game like they just they look really really good um and they might like what if louisville's just the best team in the acc this year like what if that's just where we're at um that offense is great and jeff brahm's a really really good coach but it's not a bad loss for notre dame caleb williams leads the nation and just about everything it's like he's number one in pass efficiency at 206.4 passing touchdowns he's got 22 172 total points he's averaging he's second in yards per attempt at 10.96 they're seventh in total offense however in the last 11 games against notre dame usc is four and seven sir usc doesn't own this rivalry like this is two competing styles Notre Dame's going to be up for this one. This is their last big rivalry game left in the calendar here. They remember what happened, 10 men on the field, to close against uh, Ohio State a few weeks ago. This is a huge game for them. Ohio State, or USC has been playing with fire with this defense. Like, they're on the road at Arizona State struggling. Like, each week, this defense just shows how exposed they really are. And this is not a serious Pac-12 title team. This is not a serious college football playoff team. It's just not the case with Alex Grinch in this defense. They're going to get bit at some point. And this is where they get bit first. They get bit on the road at Notre Dame. Sam Hartman has a good bounce back game. I think Audric Estime, who struggled last week against Louisville, I think the running game gets back on track for Notre Dame. The offensive line gets back on track. I think they dominate the line of scrimmage. And I think Notre Dame ultimately wins here. Give me Notre Dame 35 USC 31. You said something there when you were talking about USC. You said they're not a serious team. And I think I think that's who Lincoln Riley is. And I think he's at some point, you know, this guy, there's something, the flaw in this guy is that, you know, he's obviously an offensive mastermind, but there's something that he doesn't do to motivate his team on a weekend, week out basis. But when you're playing at Notre Dame, you don't have to motivate your team. I think everyone is sleeping on USC because what they've done against some of these lesser opponents, and obviously the defense is not good, but teams like USC come to play in the big games, and this offense is going to show out in the big game. Caleb Williams is going to seize the moment, have his, you know, show everyone why he's the best player in college football, like, Notre Dame has gotten worse every week, honestly. They've played a tough, they played a tough slate like the last three or four weeks, but they've looked increasingly worse each week. And obviously it was a, t- a tough couple of road games in there. But I just I'm not an I'm not a believer that Sam Hartman just has elevated this team. It felt like it felt like early on it was Notre Dame's doing traditional Notre Dame stuff. And now with Sam Hartman, they're gonna have a passing attack too. 
And I just feel like we haven't really seen that. Like it, we haven't necessarily seen them take that next step. And I think USC with how much offense they have, they're going to give up some points is going to be like probably attract me because USC doesn't know how to win any other way. But I think USC goes on the road and gets it done. I think this is going to be like a, like a 40, 40, 42, 35 or something like that. But I think, uh, I think USC, Caleb Williams is going to throw like five touchdowns. This is going to be, USC is going to get it done. Wow. I did not expect this. Okay. We disagree again, sir. We disagree again, sir. Um, moving on, the Miami Hurricanes, somehow the luckiest person of, of us not having a podcast on, on Sunday was Mario Cristobal and his absolute just inexcusable, the most inexcusable loss in the history of professional sports, or not professional sports, Amateur, the history sir. of of sport American sports. Like you remember there was the they call it like the miracle of the Meadowlands, right? Mm. That Eagles Giants one when Herm Edwards recovered the mm. the fumble and took it back. The the victory formation was literally created like the week after that happened in like the 70s or early 80s, whenever the hell that was, like because that we know that this can happen. And the fact that it happened to Mario Cristobal a couple of years ago at Stanford, too, it's just like, what are you doing? I just, oh, man. Honestly, you know what they were doing? He, no one wants to say it. They were trying to get that guy 100 yards. He had like 99 yards. They were trying to get him. If, instead of like football, I'm definitely running the ball, getting my guy 100 yards, uh, get his stats up. That's definitely what they were doing. Um, but, you know, backfired. Georgia Tech got the big win. Miami going on the road this week. How do they bounce back from that? They're a three and a half point dog at North Carolina. And I think North Carolina might just actually be a good football team. They got Tez Walker now. Great story. Um, this North Carolina offense just looks really explosive. Like Syracuse came in a week ago and they absolutely blasted them. So I think Miami's better than Syracuse. Miami should be a 5 and 0 team right now. Like, like it's hard to know how to how to value them, it feels like this loss is going to have lasting effects. Like, it was just such a terrible way to lose a game. But I think I'm going to have to take North Carolina to, to win and cover in this one. It's funny. It's like, should it have lasting effects? You saw the player who was, like, zoomed in. He was like, what are we doing um, on all that? And obviously, it's a terrible way to lose this, that, and the other. But now I think people are going to overreact the other way. Where I'm like, Miami's good. Like, I understand that was, like, the dumbest way to lose possible. But they should have won that game. They thoroughly outplayed Georgia Tech all night long. Um, they maybe not thoroughly if it was well, they, that, if it was that close at the end. I mean, they blew out AM at home a few weeks prior. Like Shannon Dawson's been a great OC to this point. Tyler Van Dyke's been dealing. They're a top ten offense to this point. Their defense has been uh, much improved uh, this year. Like the coordinator hires by Mario Cristobal this offseason were uh, top notch. They're a really good team. Like they're a top 15, top 17 team uh, to this point. I think people are going too far. The problem is, like you said, North Carolina is also a top 15 team. I think they're borderline top 10. Um, and I'll talk about who I think they're better than right now in the ACC in a second. But like I saw this on fan side uh, today. Miami has vi visited uh, Keenan Stadium, which I did not know was the name of North Carolina's stadium. Uh, I realized while reading this, I was like, I have no idea. I had no idea what it was before, but now I know. Um, nine times since 2004. And of those matchups, seven of them have been decided by six points or less and another by uh, nine points. This is going to be a dumb game. This is going to be high scoring. This is going to be a lot of back and forth. This is going to be like UNC App State. 
this is going to be wild, I think, in a multitude of ways. Miami's 58th against the pass. It's not where you want to be when you're facing Drew May and company. They're really good against the run. That's okay, but it's just not a good matchup for Miami in that regard. Um, they turned the ball over five times against Tech last week and still should have won the game. I also, this is my reason I'm going North Carolina here. Don't trust Mario Cristobal in close games. And I don't see this any there being any way this is not a close game. Uh, give me North Carolina 48, Miami 45. Oh, man. Going high score in there. I think um, it's going to yeah, be a high score I'm, game. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm going to take UNC as well. I'm thinking like a 38-31 in this game. So, yeah, we'll, we'll agree on that one. Um, keeping it moving. Back to the SEC East. We got Missouri Tigers going on the road at Kentucky. And Kentucky is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Kentucky has won seven of the last eight in this series against the Tigers. How do you see this one going, sir? All right. So this is another sneaky big one for both sides. Um, UK coming off a really tough road loss, obviously. Um, They've got the highs of highs against uh, Florida and then the lows of lows at Georgia. Mizzou heartbreaker you blow it late against uh lsu you should have uh, gotten a win there if your defense holds a little bit longer um bad pick by brady cook but um brady cook was dealing he's been a top three quarterback in the sec uh the majority of this year i just i don't know who bounces like does mizzou take it as more of a motivational loss and they bounce back or does kentucky like we're not that kentucky team that played in athens like who bounces back stronger from very, very different kinds of losses against uh, teams with much better talent than they do. But, like, I trust Brady Cook so much more than I trust Devin Leary. I It took a crazy offense to beat Mizzou at home last week. I think it's going to take another big-time offense to beat Mizzou at home. I think there is not like a rowdy atmosphere. It's one of the worst in the SEC. But Mizzou is a good football team this year. They are a legitimate top 25 team. Luther uh, Burden is fantastic. I think he leads the SEC in receiving yards. Leads Uh, the country in in receiving yards, doesn't he? Well, there you go. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's been fantastic. So he's going to have a big day um, against Kentucky. And Missouri is number 29 in rush defense. And that's their, that's Ray Davis's calling card. Kentucky, for them to have a chance in this one, they're going to have to be able to run all over Mizzou. And I don't think that's going to be the case. Like, remember, Kansas State came into here, who's built like Kentucky a few weeks ago, and lost. Mizzou obviously won on a last-second field goal. I just, I think this is a big win for Mizzou. I think Mizzou gets the dub here. I think Kentucky um, is 108th in first downs total uh, to this point. Mizzou 10th in the country in long scrimmage plays. I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to keep up with, uh, with Mizzou in this one. So give me Mizzou... 38 Kentucky hmm, Kentucky 21 I think Mizzou wins comfortably here wow on the road you think Missouri's gonna get Missouri's it done? at home this is at Kentucky oh it is at Kentucky my bad I thought this was at Missouri this is was that my... does that change your mind because that I did change my mind that... a little bit okay <laughs> I... I still have Mizzou winning but I for whatever reason I had this as uh that was my bad I had it flipped um for me no, give me go back to you. When it comes to when it comes to these types of games, like these teams that we're not sure if they're average, because you said like this is a sneaky, a sneaky, like good game or whatever. 
or I feel like it's because we're trying to establish what these teams' floors are, right? Mm-hmm. So like they have to they have to beat these other teams that are in the that could finish fifth, fourth or fifth place in the SEC East uh, to see kind of how good this season can be. And that's like one of these kind of crossroads games. So I just look at, you know, these types of teams, just middling kind of middle of the conference type teams. They feel like they're completely different at home versus on the road. And I don't know. I don't know what Missouri is like, because at this point, everyone's scored on LSU, right? So obviously this Missouri offense looked really good last week, but, you know, LSU was just scoring more. Um, but I just, I think Kentucky at home, I think they're able to run the ball a little better, definitely better than they were against Georgia a week ago. Maybe not how they did against Florida, but I, uh, I kind of lean Kentucky to bounce back. Like we're kind of over overreacting to Kentucky, just getting dominated by the number one team in the country. But like, this is still a good team and I'm not sure Missouri is a good team yet. Like they looked good against LSU. Like they look good against Kansas State, but like they've been playing everybody close to this point, even the bad teams. And and same for Kentucky. They've had some close closer games with some of those cupcakes uh in the early season. But um, I'm gonna side with Kentucky that Kroger Field. Give me uh give me Kentucky to to win this one like like 28-24. I'm going back to Kentucky, Matt Green. I didn't realize oh, this was at Kentucky. I if I thought my whole argument was at home. And them having to get up and put up a, I think this is close. Bad news though. Kentucky's winning this game. I'm gonna say Kentucky, thirty-one, Mizzou twenty-eight. As long as you issue a formal apology for your uh, for your stance earlier, that I would uh, that I would base my picks on what you say, sir. How dare that was you? my bad. Flop it over here. Well, hold on. I jotted what is down this, spring break. We got the we got the flip flops out. Look, man, and you that was the most uh, you feel good about that one. All right, continue on. Uh, I was proud of that one. Oh my goodness. All right, I don't have much to say about this next one. I'll uh, I know you're the big Florida State guy in the Thomas family. Um we got Syracuse going on the road, 17 and a half point dog uh at Florida State. And I uh after a week ago, what what North Carolina just did to this team in Chapel Hill, I don't see it going any better. And uh and Dope Campbell Stadium on Saturday. So give me Florida State to win this one. Like, what what, what was the score I picked? I think I got 41-20. Give me mm. Florida State. Not so fast, my friend. Syracuse, mm. they're, they've been beating up a little bit. Dina Baber's talking about, like, the fact that, like, they just don't have depth in the air of the transfer portal. Some of these smaller schools uh, just don't have it because they move on to the bigger programs. Um, remember, like, Virginia lost their best corner to FSU, um, who had a great year. And it's like, all right, well, that kind of sucks in conference and everything else. But Hughes is legitimately good. Dina Bayers is going to have this team bowling. They were undefeated before the last two weeks that have been really rough. They were outscored 71-21 in their back-to-back losses here. Here's what people don't remember. They almost won at uh, Clemson last year. This is not that great of a difference. Like, same quarterback here. Obviously, you're missing Sean Tucker, but it wasn't like the offense was rolling at Clemson. The defense is pretty solid. Like, Rocky Long calling the defense here for the Orangemen. They get up for these games. They're well coached on both sides of the ball. They have a strong identity. Guess who plays down to their competition, Matt Green? The Florida State Seminoles. Guess who's not a top four team in the country? The Florida State Seminoles. Guess who's the biggest fraud right now in the country? It's the Florida State Seminoles. They are going to get got. Jordan Travis is not a Heisman quarterback. 
you're playing with your food against Boston College, one of the worst Power 5 schools in the country right now. You play with your food against Virginia Tech this past week. They give you a hard game. You look at it, and I'm like, these are home games. Like, they should be getting better. Florida State is not there. Like, Jordan Travis, like, Bud Elliott was tweeting out, like, ooh, like another underthrow by Jordan Travis on Saturday. Like, I don't know if he's not healthy. I don't know if he's just not that great. But it's also like, oh, right, he was a three-star quarterback. He's not like this premier guy uh, at uh, Florida State. He's just been around for a long time. He's gotten progressively better year over year. I don't think he's a Heisman type guy. I don't think he's a college playoff type quarterback uh, to this point. I think he's solid, but he has some issues. And they have an unbelievable supporting cast around him, especially out wide with Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson and company. So he's doing enough to keep this team undefeated. And you have some big wins, obviously, at Clemson. But I think Syracuse is getting up for this game. Drake may destroyed you. I don't think that's happening here. Knowles are 77th in long passing plays. To put that in perspective, that's behind Syracuse and Tennessee. They're not hitting deep shots. They have this town out wide, but it's just not all there. I don't see it, Matt Green. I think I'm not saying Florida State's going to lose this game. But I think you're calling the upset. They're absolutely not covering 17 against Syracuse. So give mm. me Florida, give me Florida State 27, Syracuse 20. I think this is going to be close late. I think Florida State's going to be sweating this late. And I think eventually Florida State, like at Pitt's the one I got circled for their first uh loss of the year. But Florida State, not better than North Carolina. Florida State, not better than North Carolina. Now that's a hot take right there, sir. I'm, you know, I'm high on the Tar Heels, but I, uh, I feel like they still had a ceiling. I, I don't think they can win the ACC. I think Florida State's still in the driver's seat. They're in the driver's seat, no le- question. But I don't think they're gonna be able to handle Drake Man Company in the ACC title game. Don't think so. North Carolina is the better team this year. We don't get that regular season, right? No, we Florida. did not. State North Carolina, yeah, that could be a that could be a good one. Uh, was that your preseason prediction, ACC prediction? I, let me see. I had that pulled up. What was your preseason? We both had Clemson, didn't we? I think I had Clemson. Yeah, I had Clemson North Carolina. You had Clemson Miami. So we'll, uh, mm. we'll see how that works out. Neither one of us was believing Florida State. So I've I've changed my tune. All right, where are we going next, Matt Green? Uh, let's keep it moving to the Big 12. We got Kansas at Oklahoma State. Does Oklahoma State have any of that magic left from a week ago? We we know how I feel about the weekday road game. Kansas State came in. They ran to a buzzsaw. That was the Oklahoma State Cowboys just turning the ball up. But it felt like every it was just like a perfect storm, right? Like Kansas State moved the ball pretty well. Like they had over 200 yards rushing in that game. Like, but if you turn the ball over like that, you know, weird things happen on Friday nights. However, Jalen Daniels is doubtful for this one. And I feel like we left Oklahoma State for dead, but um, you know, I'm gonna say they do it again. This uh Boone's Pickens Stadium, Stillwater, Oklahoma. This is a rowdy environment. Home dog of the week, Oklahoma State. Three points. They're winning outright. They're beating the Jayhawks. Wow. I didn't expect this. I can't this. tell you why. Alan Bowman didn't play well last week, but it was like this home crowd, they got some energy going now. Is Kansas better than Kansas State? No. I don't think so. Especially not without Jalen Daniels. Yeah. 
It's going to be another Bean game. I think this is like his third straight game. It sucks that Jalen Daniels can't stay healthy because he's just so much fun to watch. Um, Alan Bowman, not the guy, but they got the upset upset last week. Kansas won big last week. Here's the, like, Oklahoma State, their offense, like you said, still terrible. Um, offense per game, 357 yards, 89th in the country. Alan Bowman's only completing 53% of his passes. Um, so that's just not where you want to be. Uh, they're S&P Plus, they're 50th in defense, which is okay, uh, not where it was a couple years ago, but like, do you think maybe Gundy and his staff has turned the corner? They're 58, they're right there in the middle, like, they're just a dead middle of the road uh, college football team this year, and they don't turn the ball over, though. Like, they've only committed five turnovers, they're just, they're not exciting, they're not flashy, they're not fun, they also just don't turn the ball over, they don't force turnovers, but they've won nine of ten in the last 10 years of this series, Matt Green. The Cowboys usually have a talent advantage here. It's in still water. This is going to be ugly. Give me the Cowboys to win back-to-back weeks here and dominate the state of Kansas. So give me <laughs> Oklahoma State 24, Kansas 17. Yeah, give me give me uh, 23-20. Um, Did you have Oklahoma right, so- State winning too or no? Yes, we both have okay. Oklahoma State on that one. Um, keeping it moving. This used to always be one of my favorite games. It was always start the SEC season. We always had Florida, Tennessee early on, like week three, week four. But it seemed like the, maybe the last weekend of September, we'd get Auburn LSU. It was always one of those early rivalries. Now I guess now I guess Georgia Auburn is a September rivalry. It grinds my gears, but. Auburn comes into this one at LSU and Auburn's an 11 point dog on the road and LSU hasn't been beating anybody handedly early on. Like this game used to always be, you know, those 13, 10 slug fests. Like now I'm not sure either of these teams has a defense. I guess Auburn's defense isn't necessarily bad. Auburn doesn't have an offense and LSU doesn't have a defense. So when I look at it, Auburn has scored how many, they've scored 13 points a game um, against, sorry, 15 points a game against Power 5 competition this year. Like, this offense is just really bad. They're not playing in Jordan-Hare Stadium, so there's not going to be any super superpower that's uh, that's going to elevate their level of play. I think uh, I don't think there's any way they can really hang um, with LSU in this one, but LSU also can't stop anyone. Give me LSU like 40, like 42, 28 or something like that. Like I, I think LSU is still going to give up some points because they're giving up points to everybody, but ultimately like they're not going to be able to stop this. Uh, Auburn's not going to be able to break serve enough. I think in this one. So give me LSU. Oh, wow. LSU yeah. against the to worst cover. passing offense in the sec. Who could have ever foreseen this Matt green? Because this game, like you said, used to be a big game like this. And I think it will be in the not too distant future. Um, Hugh Freeze has got recruiting rolling like this, a talented class coming in for Auburn. He hit the portal hard. Like there's, they played Georgia really well up in, uh, to the fourth quarter. Like Auburn's making progress. They're in, going in the right direction. But this is a terrible matchup for Auburn. I think it's a worse matchup than uh, what Georgia was for this group because they wanted to run the ball. They wanted to play keep away. Like their style, actually, they had the kind of dudes to make that a game in the planes for three quarters. You're not gonna be able to get away with that against Jalen Daniels and company. Like 
LSU was going to put points up in a hurry. Like this is going to be a situation where I could see Auburn getting in a hole quick. Maybe we see multiple quarterbacks. Peyton Thorne's the worst quarterback starting quarterback in the SEC this year. And I didn't see that coming um, at all, but that's just the where they're at. And I think Auburn would play somebody else if they could, but Robbie Ashford's not that guy um, down the field and definitely not as a passer. And then the other kid is, I think, a true freshman. So you don't want to throw him to the wolves here. So you're just kind of trying to survive this season and get the ball eligibility and get out of here going into next year. But this is just one of those rare best quarterback for in the SEC versus the worst. I think LSU still controls their college football playoff dynasty. They only got one conference loss. They're kind of in a similar spot to where they were a year ago. They're going, they still have a lot to play for. Like if they went out, they're going to the playoff. Um, so they still have a lot to play for at this point. They're going to take care of business at home. Um, this is, I think going to be a night game, right? This will be uh, under the lights. Uh, I miss this one in the Bayou. I'll get back to you on that. Thorne is averaging three point yard eight yards per attempt on the road, forty one percent completion percentage. You bring that to Death Valley, it's a recipe for disaster, Matt Green. So give me, give me LSU forty eight, Auburn fourteen. I think this oh, is going to wow. be a beatdown. I think this is going to be a drubbing. LSU is allowing 36.8 points per game to power five teams so far, but they've played actually, they've played five power five teams so far. Auburn's played three. Mm. So Auburn's also uh, coming off two straight losses. Yeah. And a bye week in there somewhere. Mm. So I, uh, they did play Georgia well, but you know, like we said, that was at home, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think LSU ain't wins and covers. It might not be that one sided because I think you have to have a defense in order to, in order to destroy teams. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Like you said, Auburn, Auburn's offense might just be that bad, but yeah, this one is a seven o'clock kickoff. So, uh, we shall see, uh, keeping it moving to the pack 12 last time Oregon state and UCLA played was 2019 and Oregon state finished five and seven that year. And UCLA finished four and eight that year. That's the only time that Jonathan Smith and chip Kelly have actually coached against each other. Now both of these teams are ranked. Completely different scenario. Oregon State's a four and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see this game going, sir? I think it's been close. There's no way around this not being close. UCLA got their big win last week. Uh, UCLA, they also lead the Pac-12 in total defense, rushing yards allowed, which, again, Oregon State, that's their bread and butter, and opponents' yards per play. Dante Moore, true freshman. This is a tough environment. I get that. Corvallis. I'd be a lot more worried about this game if it was Friday night for the Bruins going up to Corvallis. This, if this is a spooky mm-hmm. Friday night game for them, like Utah had to deal with a few weeks ago and they fell victim to it, that's an issue. The Beavs aren't beating the Bruins and the Utes at home here. I think DJU has been okay. He's been not great. He's been okay. He's doing just enough to guide the Beavers to this point. UCLA's defense is great. Like they, their pass rush is dominant from Yahoo. I saw the Bruins pat the quote, the Bruins pass rush is a monster graded second best. According to pro football focus with 18 sacks, 18. I just, if UCLA, I mean, you get 116 total pressures, I don't know. Like Texas A&M leads the country in sacks with 26, but they only have 91 pressures. 
the everything I point to, I'm like, they run the ball well. The defense is elite. This is the kind of defense you need to go in on the road in hostile territory. Keep the game the way you want it to be. UCLA is going to run the ball. This is going to be a low-scoring game. But I think UCLA is legitimately good, and I think they're going to actually win this game outright. So give me UCLA 24. Give me UCLA 24, Oregon State 17. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, I do not see... I think there's something about UCLA going on the road with Dante Moore, the true freshman. Like The only other game we saw them go on the road was that Utah game. And obviously, like you said, the defense played well, only gave up 14 points. But this offense was basically shut out for about, what, 58 minutes or so in that game? Like... I don't. I don't believe that this offense is gonna is gonna travel uh, that well. So I think Oregon State actually gets it done. I think UCLA is gonna be that team that finds itself in the. That's a good team that finds itself at like seven five, maybe even worse this year because of just somebody's got to lose these games to the good teams in the Pac twelve, and they feel like the one that's just not quite there. Like I feel like a true freshman quarterback. Like he's a good player. But I'm I'm not buying it. So give me um give me Oregon State to uh to win this one and cover. Okay. Where are we going last, Matt Green? We got one more on the slate. We're gonna go to both of our preseason uh Big Ten West champions, the Iowa Hawkeyes at the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin is a nine and a half point favorite in this one. And that's with an over-under of like 35 or something. So I guess I guess you're predicting like a 20, what is that, 23 to 13, something like that? I don't know. I'm not good at math. It was um, North Georgia, not Georgia Tech. We something that. like that, right? That's, 30, that's 36 points. So something roughly like that, 23 to 13. Um, and I guess I could definitely see a score like that. I, I was coming in averaging 17 points a game, a little bit under that 25 they're supposed to get to. Um, I feel like Wisconsin, honestly, yeah, give me Wisconsin to win and cover. Like I was, I was skeptical. I was, I was knew I was going to pick Wisconsin, but the spread was gotten to me until I actually said 23 to 13, I could easily see that happening. So I, I, I could see, uh, Iowa getting shut down in this one on the road at Wisconsin. Yeah. Give me, give me the Badgers to win and cover. Okay. Um, I also have the Badgers to win and cover. Um, give me Wisconsin 27, Iowa 10, uh, in this one. But here's the thing. Iowa has the least amount of first downs in all of college football this year. Macarine came back gone for the year. Like Wisconsin though, sneakily has not gone well on offense with Phil Lambeau. Um, year one, obviously a gigantic change in uh, scheme and what you want to do from what we've learned from Wisconsin football, the Ron Dane years and there on after um, more of an air raid type blend that they're trying to uh, install here in Madison. Wisconsin's 104th in passing offense. It's not going well. Like the uh, Tanner Mordecai has not lit it up. Like we thought it, they, they would uh, big transfer in from uh, SMU who had a monster year last year. Uh, he may have wished he just stuck it out in SMU for one more year before going to the draft. Um, but they're 17th in offenses uh, on in rushing offense. So 
they're going to be able to run the ball there. They're still Braylon Allen and company. They should be able to do that. You also just can't run on Wisconsin. Their run defense is really good, and that's the only way Iowa's going to manufacture any points. So this is a bad matchup for Iowa. Wisconsin wins, like I said, but uh, man, Wisconsin, the the offensive transition is not going well. It's almost like there's like the force that's not allowing them to like, oh, you want to bring in Phil Lambo? You want to bring in Tanner Mordecai? Sorry, this is Madison, Wisconsin. Like there are just rules. There are unwritten rules that you are not allowed to install this kind of offense. And if you do, we're not going to let you be successful with it. It's just not how it works. Graham Mertz, sorry, biggest uh, quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history. You want to throw the ball around? Not on our watch. He's going to implode every week. Like, that's not not what we're doing here at Wisconsin. Sorry. Yeah, I, and I don't have a strong lean either way. I just I don't see Iowa scoring very many points because Iowa typically doesn't score very many points. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to bet on. There you go. All right, Matt Greenwell, good to be back in the saddle here uh, tonight uh, after a few days away, starting to feel good. Get, shake the cobwebs off, sir, and uh, looking forward to a good weekend, week seven uh, college football and recap show coming up Sunday night and, and all that good stuff. So uh, hopefully on Saturday, we're uh, we're also experiencing game five of the NLDS between the Braves mm. and Phillies, and hopefully we find a way to win game four. Hey, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, Matt Green, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. 